Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Tuesday, January 5th, 2021. I'm Jackson Bird. People who are choosing to be surveilled by strangers and productivity nannies in order to stay on task while remote working. A 3D printed hydrogel inspired by cephalopods that changes color when exposed to light. And UK officials have arguably messed up a commemorative coin. Again. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. Yesterday, I shared some tips to help you find more time in your schedule and be more productive in the new year. But if those fail, you can hop on a new trend of hiring a productivity nanny. Yes, this is apparently a real thing. Well, sort of. In most cases, it's more of a glorified virtual co-working space, but some services do match you with one specific guide to check in on your progress. Basically, there are a number of services out there where you can sign up for a session, before which you share what you are planning to accomplish. The session begins, often with webcams enabled so that you can see other strangers there working. After a certain amount of time, you get a break, during which you may chat with the strangers as if you were at a cafe or co-working space. Then you go back to work, and when the session is over, you check in on how you did. Particularly for people in creative and tech fields and those who are either freelance or used to work in an office and found themselves plunged into the isolation of remote working this past year, this type of structure and low-key socializing has been a godsend. Some of the startups on the market include Focusmate, Ultra Working's Work Gym, The Order In Club, and Cave Day, which began as an in-person event in Manhattan a few years ago, but started adding virtual sessions just in time for lockdown. They say their company has grown eightfold since last February. Meanwhile, quoting Wired, Focusmate was born out of CEO Taylor Jacobson's own chronic struggle with procrastination and the life-changing effect of keeping a video call open with a friend while he worked. He says it recognizes our innate need for a tribe, harnessing the effects of a positive social interaction on the nervous system to improve happiness and performance. We compare ourselves to machines. We say, I'm just going to crank this out, but we're not built that way at all. If we start to think of ourselves as wired for socializing, we can use that to really just help us be our best. End quote. Regular users of these programs note how they helped fend off the isolation and mental health effects of lockdown, becoming a sort of replacement for work events that had disappeared from their schedules. Continuing from Wired, But beyond the social element, these services work by focusing your mind on what is possible within an hour or three, simply demarking units of time sharpen your grasp on how long tasks actually take, which quickly translates to a sense of control. End quote. It's similar to some of the block scheduling that I recommended in the Time Confetti segment on yesterday's show, but if you have trouble sticking to the schedule that you make yourself, a service like Cave Day or Focusmate can help you out. In the same way that some of us have more success with fitness classes versus working out on our own. It's not that you can't do it on your own, but you might cut corners or get distracted if you're doing it alone without anyone watching. Having the accountability, the encouragement, and sometimes even the competition of others around you can push you to go a little further than you maybe otherwise would have. I mean, as much as I joked at the start of this segment, I do think there's a lot of merit to these kinds of programs. They're not for everyone, but for some people, they really, really work. 
The Wired does point out that many of the startup's stated goals and overall company culture, quote, highlight the obvious tension in positioning themselves as a reprieve from hustle culture, a means of resisting the productivity trap, while also promising to make you more productive, end quote. Which is something I think a lot of us are grappling with. You know, even in what I said in the segment yesterday, there being a real power in having more time to work by taking more time to rest. But why do we feel the need to get so much done? Why are we turning even rest into a part of hustle culture? I mean, don't get me wrong, I would love to see people bragging about getting eight hours of sleep in the same way that they do bragging about getting four, but maybe we have some deeper things to be evaluating. But while we do, the fact of the matter is there is a lot to get done for many of us, and if you're having trouble staying motivated and focused, maybe a productivity nanny cam is what you need. Cephalopods, such as octopuses, squids, and cuttlefish, all have color-changing cells in their skin called chromatophores. These help them adjust the color and pattern of their skin to aid communication and as a form of camouflage. Now, researchers from Rutgers have developed a 3D-printed hydrogel inspired by this feature of cephalopod skin. Hydrogels keep a solid shape despite containing water, and are found in many common items like contact lenses, jello, and even inside the human body. This one, however, is capable of changing or revealing colors when exposed to light. The researchers call it an artificial chromatophore and say it could be used in military-grade camouflage, artificial muscles, or even device displays. Senior author Howen Lee, an assistant professor in the Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering Department at Rutgers, said, quote, Electronic displays are everywhere, and despite remarkable advances, such as becoming thinner, larger, and brighter, they're based on rigid materials, limiting the shapes they can take and how they interface with 3D surfaces. Our research supports a new engineering approach featuring camouflage that can be added to soft materials and create flexible, colorful displays, end quote. And quoting Futurity, the engineers incorporated a light-sensing nanomaterial in the hydrogel, turning it into an artificial muscle that contracts in response to changes in light. The light-sensing smart gel combined with the 3D-printed stretchy material changes colors, resulting in a camouflage effect. Next steps include improving the technology's sensitivity, response time, scalability, packaging, and durability. End quote. I'm a big fan of cephalopods, so I'm happy to see more and more scientists drawing inspiration from them. And also, in case you were already drafting a tweet to me about how the proper pluralization of octopus is octopi and not octopuses, as I said at the start, there are apparently three accepted pluralizations of octopus. Quoting Merriam-Webster, The three main plurals for octopus come from the different ways the English language adopts plurals. Octopi is the oldest plural of octopus, coming from the belief that Latin origins should have Latin endings. Octopuses is the next plural, which gives the word an English ending to match its adoption as an English word. And lastly, octopodes stems from the belief that because octopus is originally Greek, it should have a Greek ending. End quote. The debate on which to use has been raging for at least 140 years, and Quartz argues that because octopus, while having a brief stay in New Latin, is originally a Greek word, and therefore octopi is definitely wrong, no one really says octopodes, the proper Greek pluralization. 
An octopus should just get the same treatment as so many Latin and Greek-derived words that are now English and get an English ending. Octopuses. Some science journalists are trying to make octopuses reign king, but Merriam-Webster notes that's historically been more accepted when using octopus in a figurative way rather than literally referring to the animal. Personally, I don't care too much one way or another. I think language should always be evolving, and so long as people understand what you're trying to communicate, then anything goes. You know, to me, the rules of grammar are meant for clarity more than propriety. So, octopi, octopuses, whatever, I think we can all simply agree that squids are better. At FanDuel Casino, we know the only thing better than a win is a free win. That's why we made Reward Machine, the daily free-to-play game that gives you a chance to win up to $2,000 in casino bonus. We've given away over $50 million in free bonuses, and we're just getting started. Every day at 6 p.m., you get three chances to spin the Reward Machine reels. There are three ways to win. One, match any three symbols for an instant win. Two, collect symbols each day for a chance to win weekly prizes. Or three, win up to $2,000 if you collect three trophies. FanDuel has given away over $50 million to hundreds of thousands of people through Reward Machine. So what are you waiting for? Download the FanDuel Casino app by going to FanDuel.com slash PA3 and start playing Reward Machine today. That's FanDuel.com slash PA3. No purchase necessary. 21 plus and present in PA. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable casino only site credit that expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash casino. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Marking 75 years since his death, the United Kingdom's Royal Mint has issued a new two-pound commemorative coin in honor of writer H.G. Wells. It features a many-legged walking machine, as well as a suit and hat without a person inside, presumably representing the Invisible Man. There's just one problem. Well, two, depending on who you ask. Fans and scholars of H.G. Wells say the representation is inaccurate. The machine depicted is assumed to be the fighting machine from the War of the Worlds, a vehicle that kind of set the standard for alien tripods. Tripods. It famously only has three legs, yet on the coin it has four. The other complaint is of the Invisible Man, shown on the coin with a top hat. The book specifically describes Griffin, the Invisible Man, as wearing a wide-brimmed hat. Adam Roberts, a sci-fi novelist, 19th century literature professor, and vice president of the H.G. Wells Society, noted, quote, Wells's distinctly ungentlemanly Invisible Man Griffin never wore a top hat. I'd say Wells would be annoyed by this carelessness. He took immense pains to get things right in his own work, inviting translators of his book to stay with him to help the process and minimize errors and so on, end quote. Designer of the coin Chris Costello had this to say in response to the critiques, quote, The characters in War of the Worlds have been depicted many times, and I wanted to create something original and contemporary. My design takes inspiration from a variety of machines featured in the book, including tripods and the handling machines, which have five jointed legs and multiple appendages. The final design combines multiple stories into one stylized and unified composition that is emblematic of all of H.G. Wells' work and fits the unique canvas of a coin. End quote. And yeah, it's all a bit nitpicky, I suppose. It's not like they minted the coins with the Nautilus or some other feature from a totally different author's book. But also, this isn't the first time that the UK has received pushback for their broad interpretation when designing commemorative money. 
In 2013, the Royal Mint printed 10-pound bills featuring Jane Austen, along with a quote from her that reads, I declare, after all, there is no enjoyment like reading, with an exclamation point at the end to boot so you really get the enthusiasm. And that quote sounds pretty on the nose, right? Almost cheesy, especially for a wordsmith like Jane Austen. Well, that's because the line was written for a character pretending to care about reading. Quoting The Guardian, These words are spoken by one of Austen's most deceitful characters, a woman who has no interest in books at all, Caroline Bingley. She's sidling up to Mr. Darcy, whom she would like to hook as a husband, and is pretending that she shares his interests. He's reading a book, so she sits next to him and pretends to read one too. She is, Austin writes, as much engaged in watching Mr. Darcy's progress through his book as in reading her own, and perpetually either making some inquiry or looking at his page. He will not be distracted, so exhausted by the attempt to be amused with her own book, which she had only chosen because it was the second volume of his, she gives a great yawn and says the words that will appear on the banknotes, end quote. Again, not inaccurate per se, just not quite in the spirit of the thing. And were Jane Austen or H.G. Wells alive today, while they'd no doubt be thrilled to be honored in such a way, they may be a bit miffed at the imagery and quotes chosen. And at the very least, for a country with so many dang English scholars and literary societies, it's remarkable they don't consult a few of them when making these design decisions, especially when they've faced similar critiques in the past. As Jesse Gaynor over at LitHub wrote of the affair, it's mostly just nice to be reminded that in a world of so much doom and gloom right now, there are still small squabbles like this one playing out in other places. Well, that is it for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotke.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I'm going to go report back to my accountability buddy that I have completed making a podcast, and hopefully I will get a gold star to add to my wall. I hope you have a great and productive rest of your day. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.